Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer yet again. And it's a very special day today. Is it? It's the first day of summer. It is the first day of summer. Interesting. Summer months. The summer months. It's coming. Mm. I feel like this is a, a time of caution, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. why are there so many periods of caution? Well, time of reflection. It know? is, yeah. Don't so what happens is this is the time of the year where people get squirrely and start making stupid decisions. I don't know what they So what I would say school's out is be good with your decisions. Think carefully before you act right. during this period That's of time. That's true. Be obedient. Because think about it. You have the spring feasts in the spring and the fall feasts in the fall. And then you have this period of summer where it's kind of like nothing's going on. You have all this free time to yourself. And, you know, people tend to, what is that old saying? The uh, idle hands are the devil's workmanship or something. Workshop. Workshop. Something like that. Idle hands and devil's workshop. So anyways. <laughs> Start us off on a good note. Praise God. So welcome to Christians with Torah, everybody. Thank you for being here. Uh, if this is your first time here, uh, welcome. Uh, we're excited that you've discovered a whole world of Torah people out there in the Christian universe. You know, what we want from you is to first subscribe. Do that for me. If you're on here... Does it hit the bell or something? That, well, you hit subscribe, and then the bell is so you get notifications when we put new stuff out. Right. And honestly, on YouTube, I'm only putting something out once a week, so it's not like you're going to be getting bombarded with notifications from us. That's true. Um, but I'm setting you up, because someday maybe we will do like 10 a day, and then you're going to be well, like... Well, just ah, think about bing, it. If bing, someone bing. is like studying Matthew, they're like, hey, I wonder what they think about... I wonder what they think about Mm -hmm. this chapter. Well, and you could do that also with all the Torah portions. For four years, we did the Torah portions. That's amazing. And we went through every every single book of the Torah. You know, every we split it it up into sections. It's it's interesting. It is. And now we're doing Matthew, and we finally reached Matthew fifteen, the second half of the chapter, and we're going to do verses twenty-one through thirty. That's right. The faith of a woman of Canaan. So, where did Yeshua depart to? He went to Phoenicia, to the cities of Tyre and Sidon. Wow. So Tyre and and, and Sidon are port cities located in modern Lebanon on the Mediterranean coast. This is a Gentile area. We're no longer in Kansas. So in Matthew 15, verses 22 and 23, this is what happens. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. That's interesting. Um, So here it is. So I like the fact that she calls him son of David. She calls him Lord and son of David. I think this is an important thing to notice uh, when somebody is referring to Yeshua at the time that Yeshua is on the earth and recognizing him as the prophesied 
one to come, the King of Israel, the Son of David, the rightful heir to the throne, the one that should be, you know, running everything. But instead, obviously, we have a, a corrupt political system there with the temple and the, you know, we have Herod and puppets from the Romans, all that jazz going on at the time that Yeshua comes. So when people see yeah. him and they see that he's the son of David, they know that he has the keys to the kingdom and that he can help them. Now, this is interesting. I want I, I got this from uh, Tim Hutchins. I was eavesdropping on their group. Ooh. And uh, I was sitting there taking a little roll call on the... Uh, small groups and um, it says right here uh, in Mark chapter 7 verse 25 it says for a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet yeah she heard of him yeah she heard of him which they'll take take it this way too I mean there wasn't like radio or TV uh, there wasn't even like cars, right? So like for people to get the news all the way up to Phoenicia, that there's this man down in Israel that's that's healing the sick and, you know, giving sight to the blind and, you know, the lame are walking, you know, the dead are being raised, all of these things that are happening, uh, for that news to make it all the way up into the coast in Phoenicia yeah. is, is incredible. So what's interesting is that uh, Mark says it was an unclean spirit, and that's yeah. what a devil is. Oh, yeah, of course. And then, of course, the devil is the word devil is used in, in Matthew. So, you know, they're in ministry. They're kind of bogged down. The disciples are just they're still students. Right. So they're aggravated. Well, they and they're wondering, they, why are we all the way? But up they here? don't they don't have the compassion that, that Yeshua has. Right, right. right. And we're going to get into that, which is very, very interesting. So what was Yeshua's response to the disciples? Right, so he ignores her, and obviously they come and she comes and bothers them. So he comes and says, send her away, because she's coming after us now. Yeah. And Jesus replies to the disciples and says, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So I want to give you a little perspective here on this particular saying. What does this entail? What does this even mean? He, he was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. His Purpose Driven Life book by Rick Warren. I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Mm. Now, this woman comes crying out to him. She's a Canaanite. She's a Gentile. And we're going to talk about this because I'm developing a storyline here that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, It's kind of interesting, too. Like, what are you joined to? What are you connected to? Yeah. Do you have a good connection? What are you connected to? Do you know the guy? Yeah. So what I want to do is I want to just lay out this, this term, lost sheep of the house of Israel, and then we'll discuss it. Um, the lost sheep of the house of Israel is a reference to the northern kingdom and to Ephraim, who would become a multitude of different nations or Gentiles and be scattered throughout the world. Now, we know this in Genesis chapter 48, verses 19 and 20. We won't go there for the sake of time. Jacob crossed his hands. He gave the firstborn blessing to Ephraim, the younger son of Joseph. The older was Manasseh. So when Manasseh was brought up to the right hand, Ephraim were up to the left hand of Jacob. He crossed his hands and took his right hand and gave the blessing to Ephraim and said, hey, listen, little boy, you're going to become a bunch of different ethnic groups, mm-hmm. a goyim. Goy is nation. Goyim are nations. You're going to become a bunch of different ethnic groups. But in the last days, in the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Yeah. Then all of Israel will be saved. So so that's that's what's happening right there. In, in 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 29 through 31, why don't you go ahead and find that, Ryan, and read that portion. I thought this was very interesting. As we begin to develop this storyline of 1 Kings 11, 
verses 29 through 31. So the prophet is going to come. So it says here in uh, 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 29 through 31. Now it happened at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah, uh, the Shilonite, met him on the way, and he had clothed himself with a new garment, and two were alone in the field. And the two were alone in the field. So he comes and meets him in the field, and they're alone. Got it. Then Ahijah took hold of the new garment that was on him and tore it into 12 pieces. Hey, man, why you do that? It says, And he said to Jeroboam, Take for yourself ten pieces, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give ten tribes to you. So there's, there's this storyline here, the 10 to 2 ratio, because Benjamin was absorbed into Judah. You'll see this later on. But the thing about it is, so here are the 10 lost tribes, but they're really not lost. God knows where they're at. And uh, we know there's a lot of controversy and there's, 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 uh, you know, there's accusations of this is replacement theology or this, this is British Israelism, you know. But I want to just submit to you that the prophecy speak for itself. Ephraim would become a bunch of different ethnic groups that would come back in the last days. So as we lay this down, we can see that God divorced the house of Israel, but not Judah for the sin of adultery. Uh, Jeremiah 3.8 is the reference there. So he never divorced Judah. Now, I'm not saying that Judah gets a free pass, but what I am saying is that God did not divorce Judah. Correct. So if Yeshua was at Mount Sinai and he was that rock that followed them in the wilderness, then he's going for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So the Torah states that a man cannot take a wife, divorce her, and then take her back after she has been with another man because that would be an abomination. That's just in a nutshell. That's Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 through 4. So how is this marriage going to work out? Think about it, everybody. We get kicked out of the Garden of Eden. We have death. We have sickness. And then God says, I want to marry you. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. So, so what happened is and adultery And that marriage happened. happens in Exodus 19. Right. Okay. So, so, so what happened is it really worked out so well that we committed adultery. Oh. So he had to divorce us. Ouch. So there was a divorce, a, a bill of divorce, a get. There was a divorce. And, and so with that, you know, uh, there has to be a remedy. So the only way for God to remedy this situation, to remarry, was to come in the flesh in the person of Yeshua, die, and then be resurrected as the second Adam. Right. I put this references Romans 7, verses 1 through 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 45 through 49. So God can never go against his law. He can never go against his Torah. He can't violate it. He can't break it, uh, these, these laws. And so, like I said, if, if, if the man marries the woman right. and he gives her a divorce and she goes to be with another man, she can't come back to the original husband. Right. So there's a, there's a, there's a dilemma. So if there was another way to there's do a it, dilemma. Yeshua would have done it. So this but is there what, was no other way. There is no other way. So basically... Because when, a, a wife is bound to the husband as long as he lives, according to Romans go, 7. Yeah, go, let's go ahead and read Romans 7, verses 1 through 3, Ryan. Read Romans 7, verses 1 through 3, and this will put it all into perspective of how much he truly, truly loves us. Right, so he says uh, here in Romans 7, verses 1 through 3, he says, Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she will be free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. So the charges are dropped. Right. Because Yeshua came 
and died. Right. And he, and he became a human being, suffered, died, and was buried. So you're released. So you got the new man. You got the, the second Adam, basically, is what it is. And so the book of Hosea tells us that God judged the house of Israel and sent them into the Assyrian captivity in 722 B.C., but he would later betroth them once again. We are currently betrothed to Yeshua and awaiting the consummation of the marriage, everybody. Mm-hmm. Dating is not in the Bible. We bind dating and we loose betrothal. Hosea chapter 2, verses 19 and 20 tells us the word betrothed is used three times. I will betroth you to me. So this is where we're at. In 2 Corinthians verse 11, verses 1 and 2, the term espoused is used by the Apostle Paul. So Moses is the best man. Uh, then you go into, of course, John the Baptist. I'm a friend of the bridegroom. Yeah. All these marriage terms. And then the Apostle Paul is like, hey, I've espoused you to one husband, that to Christ. You know. And so you know, it's very important that we understand that. And then, of course, in, in Revelation 19, verses 7 through 9, the bride has prepared herself. She's made herself ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb. These are the true words of God. Uh, so once again, um, we see this. Um, so any thoughts on that? So I think that it's important from the standpoint of Genesis 48 of where Jacob blesses Ephraim and Manasseh to recognize that the name Israel is given to Ephraim. He says, I will put my name upon them and the name of my father Isaac and the name of my father Abraham. So the patriarchal mantle right and the name israel is given to Ephraim. that's good you know and, and that's why when you see the two houses people want to debate it and argue it but it's right there in the scriptures right. the house of israel and the house of judah correct and we can see this time and time again we don't have time to get into it but just like even in ezekiel there are two sticks that right. become one in his hand well, so so that makes perfect sense well and to the extent you know, where when people are reading the bible and they see israel they assume that it means jews because from a current day cultural context, there's a state called Israel right. where the Jews live. That's true. And this is how we kind of get it mixed up from a biblical history standpoint. So it's just important to recognize that Israel uh, references the northern kingdom. And most of the time when you see the word Israel or the name Israel used after Solomon's death, right. it is used to say not the Jews. We could spend two hours we right could. here. We could. So, so that's a good point. With I mean. the differentiation between Israel and Judah, when Yeshua is in the north and saying, I've not come but for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and a Gentile is coming to him, we're all thinking here, well, wait a second, so she can't be part of the house of Israel. We're going to talk about that. If she's a Gentile. Thank that's you, right. We're, no, no, we're going to talk yeah, yeah, about right, that because as we good. turn the corner here. Yep. Now, Yeshua references the lost sheep of the house of Israel also in Matthew ten six, and I'll read it. Yep. He says, he gives them instructions. These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's right. Now, as we develop the storyline, once again, we'll continue on in this mode. In uh, Matthew chapter 15, verses 25 through 27. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Come on, somebody. So this is interesting, you know. So you have the Gentiles, you have the Jews. There's a clear distinction there. Even among the Samaritans and the Jews, they wouldn't even go into Samaria. So this is the only known occasion during Yeshua's ministry that he went outside the boundaries of Israel. Except for that time he went to Spain. 
The woman was a Gentile. No, he went to India as a child because he wanted curry. Egypt. The woman was a Gentile and descended from the Canaanites who inhabited Syria and Israel before the conquest of the latter by Joshua. Right. Now, uh, so think about that. Uh, Gentiles, Gentile territory, but by children, Yeshua means Jews. So when he says children, the children's bread, he means Jews. And by dogs, Gentiles. Now, Yeshua did not use the negative term for dogs that referred to scavengers, the word sometimes used by Jews to refer to Gentiles. Instead, he used the term for a household pet, okay, as a household pet. Now, I want to make a, a, a clear distinction here in what he's referencing and what he's doing, because it even goes back to the other reference that he said. Mm-hmm. I only came for the lost sheep. Don't go to the Gentiles. So Gentiles were able to convert to the Jewish faith, but the Canaanite woman had not done that. Correct. Okay. So she had not done that. So you got like Ruth and Rahab. So what happens is they were absorbed into the Jewish faith. Into Basically, you, you can use the word converted or Judaism or whatever you want to say. Because Ruth right. and Rahab, right. well, Rahab being completely separate, I'm sorry, but Ruth yeah. being a part a of Judah. But she becomes part of Judah, the she southern does. kingdom. Yeah. So what happened is this woman comes out of nowhere. That's why he's making reference only to those that are grafted in. Right. See, into, into my, into my uh, commonwealth of Israel. So then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, once again, Mark said she had an unclean spirit. Matthew says it was a devil. It's the same thing. It's, it's a synonym. Yeshua's attitude was intended to test the woman's faith, which was rewarded by miraculous healing for her daughter. You know, it, it's interesting that people recognize the need and they're persistent. It's the same thing today. You know, I don't see people being persistent like really pressing in. So I feel like, you know, um, not that I backed off. I probably backed off a little bit about Judah and everything, but uh, the two sticks becoming one and how that's going to work. Beit Tehillah, Israel, how's that really going to work? Just to back off a little bit because of everything that's going on. But I want to say that I really want to kind of press in now. Yeah, yeah. Since I've discovered that when you see Ephraim and Judah come together, they fight the enemy and they win. Oh, yeah. So we all have our enemies, both Ephraim and Judah, those that are coming out of the nations. And I think this is a fascinating storyline. You know, we're not here to impress anybody. We're not here to win anybody over. We're not here to win a debate or an argument. We're here to to pursue it, Ryan, and to fulfill it and to do it and to tell our children they're a part of this. Yeah. You know, and, and just like they would prophesy in the last days, they would foretell events. So I'm, in, I'm impressed with this, and if you have any last thoughts, well, um, we've cup, got three areas to cover here. Yeah, but yeah. This, this one's really good. So this Canaanite woman, I believe, is, you know, there's a theory that Yeshua went all the way up to Phoenicia just to see her. And that, you know, because I don't think he's in this position where he Remember, he, he, she heard of him. Right, and she came to where he was. Right. But, you know, it doesn't really say why they were in Tyre and Sidon. It doesn't say why he went. And so, you know, that obviously is left out as the detail here. However, uh, I believe that he's teaching his disciples a lesson. Because the disciples are all Jews. They're all Southern Kingdom guys. They're all coming from down there, right? And they've all got that mindset of we are the chosen people, right? We're the ones. And they've got this almost like exclusive club. So if they're going to go and find people to believe on Yeshua, they're all of the assumption that they're going to be finding Jews. 
to become part of the kingdom. And here, Yeshua is laying the groundwork. I don't think that Jesus treats anybody the way that he does here, like ignoring her, how like she comes to him and he's like, eh, and then he tells her, hey, uh, I've only come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then, you know, hey, uh, it's not good to take the bread from the children and give it to the dogs. Like, I mean, these are things that it doesn't it's, really... It's a cultural thing. Right, but it doesn't really seem like it's part of Yeshua's character. I think people look at this and wonder why he's saying this. But he knows that she's going to be persistent. And so what he shows them is that you have these people over here who are so hungry for God and so hungry for Yeshua and his ministry, and they're going to get what they want. But then you have these other people over here who have been handed it to them culturally their whole lives and aren't interested in what Yeshua has to offer. And so you have this dichotomy, and I think this is a lesson for the disciples to see that the ministry <coughs> to the Gentiles is, is a big part of the future of Yeshua's ministry and the ministry of the disciples going forward. You know, so many things are taboo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, here's the thing. I think the Jews are returning the favor of Yeshua back to us by extending a hand. Oh, yeah. Because if you think about it, the Jews never went through Samaria. They went around it. Right. He goes in there and spends two days. Yeah. So I think it's interesting. Those things that are taboo are not taboo anymore. <laughs> yeah. They're not taboo because because now it's really happening. And I think that it's an exciting time. Yeah. You know, I mean, think about it, Ryan. If you, I mean, it, it, I mean, I want to use the word encouragement, but I mean, it is love. Oh, yeah. Do, do we have empathy? Yeah. Are we, do we have apathy? Are we, you know, yeah. do we have empathy, you know, and do we even care about, you know, I, I hear stories of people and stuff and uh, tragedies and stuff, and I have empathy in that story. I'm, I see the title, I look at it, a little headline or something, and I'm like, wow, they lost their daughter. Wow. Oof. Yeah. This person died in Ukraine. Yeah. Or, you know, and I'm thinking, gosh, you know, like when, when, uh, when you lose a member or something, you know, it's like, gosh, you know, you have empathy, like, man, you know. It's like even losing my dad, you know, it's just, gosh, you know, I really wanted to be with him more and talk to him. And, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed that. Yeah. I enjoyed my father. Yeah, yeah. For who and what he is. So, you know, you carry it on. But I'm just saying that in this particular situation, it is very interesting to, to look at groups of people. You know, it's just like, I guess the Baptists are getting a bad rap after that convention or something. I don't know. But <laughs> it's like, there's just dogging people out left yeah. and right all the time there's just all this like well you know well you know well you know yeah you know and it's just like even among the jewish people you know they're they're, they're competitive and this and that and you know i i say i got a lot of jewish friends do you know, know what what uh helps prevent church scandals practice what you preach if, if we can all do that practice what we preach um as just a baseline it would be very helpful because that's what happens is people in elite positions in every organization play that game of rules for thee but not for me and that's just Those not the hypocrites yeah. right of course and so that that happens i think in, in companies it happens in religious organizations of every type and it's a human it's part of the human condition and when we look at it and we recognize it we need to recognize it for what it is it's i think sin. we should starve scandal we don't have to repeat things. Hey, did you hear about Joel Osteen? Hey, did you hear about this? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't like that. Yeah, I'm not. Into it doesn't it really serve any purpose. I got better stuff. So, to so do. let's move on here. So, Ryan, you're going to take over this next subject matter. Yeshua heals many people. Ah, oh, all right. Uh, wow, he's having a, he's having a, a 
healing rally. That's right. So it, it says here, And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. And that's verse 29. So this is part of the reason that I thought that maybe Yeshua went up to Tyre and Sidon, specifically because he knew he was going to encounter this woman and teach this lesson. And so Yeshua leaves Tyre and Sidon, located on the Mediterranean coast just north of Israel, to make his way back to the Sea of Galilee. His location was on the, lo- uh, the southeast shore of Galilee, near the Gentile city of Decapolis. Decapolis is like the ten cities. Yeah, it's the, the ten so cities. I think it's the east side of the Galilee. It's, it's beautiful. I've been on that side. Right. It's still part of Israel. You think, oh, that's Jordan. No. No, no, no. It's the still Jordan part Valley, of Israel. Yeah. Well, you have the Golan Heights now as well. Right. Which, you know. It's beautiful. They're yeah. growing fruit trees. And oh, yeah. If you go on our YouTube channel, you'll see the Jeep tour. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. that side of the of the Galilee. Yeah. I like it. The, yeah. Um, so, again, he leaves this area of Tyre and Sidon and then goes back to the Galilee. So he made a trip up there for some reason. The only story we get And this about is the whole it, thing about the Gospels is, geographically speaking, yeah. where did he go? Where, yeah. What did he do? So the only story we get from that trip is the story of the Canaanite woman. That's a good point. And that's why I feel like, you know, that this is the significant piece that happened on that journey. So So if you're a Gentile, you can you got devils. If you're a Gentile, there's a chance you got Yeshua born. can still help yeah, you. That's right. So uh verses 30 um and 31 it says here and great multitudes came unto him having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed and many others and cast them down at Jesus' feet and he healed them insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak the maimed to be whole the lame to walk and the blind to see and they glorified the god of israel awesome and uh and we have as a a reference quote here isaiah 35 5 and 6 it's a messianic quote oh you have it yes yes let's read it isaiah 35 verses 5 and 6 then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. Wow. Even there'll be water in the desert, too. That's right. It's almost like, you know, he did all these healings. Now the desert's blooming. Yeah. So there's like a double prophecy there. Oh, and by the way, you know, there'll be streams in the desert. Every time I hear those verses, I always think of uh, that song, The Mighty One of Israel. You know? He's the mighty one of Israel. That's true. So... In this, in these verses, a vast crowd was brought to Yeshua to be healed, and he healed them all. Uh, Yeshua is still able to heal people who are suffering physically, emotionally, and spiritually, and we can be the ones who bring suffering people to him. You the know, wayfinders the thing, point yeah, to Yeshua. The thing that I've discovered is one of the greatest things you could probably ever ask somebody is like, you know, you say, hey, how you doing? Oh, you know, and say, is there anything I can do for you? No. Huh. Because you never know. You they never might know. need something. Yeah. Well, you know, I, 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 yeah, you know, and then maybe you can direct them or help them yourself. But sure. I thought that was kind of a cool thing. Hey, is there anything I can do for you? You know, as a pastor, I like to say that. Yeah. And they kind of look like, oh, thank you, you know. And sometimes they'll say, oh, yeah, you know, I, you know, this or that. I'm like, okay, let me see what I can do, you know. But that's the chance you take. Sure is. Is there anything I can do for you? Boy, that, I mean, Gosh, I love that. Yeah. You'd be like, mm, let me think about that. Yeah, can you rub my neck? <laughs> <laughs> neck rub? So, yeah, so so there's some great healing going on here. Um, that's pretty cool. Uh, they glorified the God of Israel. A vast crowd was brought to Yeshua to be healed, right? Yeah. Well, I wow. love the fact that they do point, he points people to God, right? That's, that's the key here. 
You know, and if we bring it on ourselves, Ryan, shame on us. Oh, well. I mean, because I'm just saying, like, if we don't eat right, and like I had 12 inches of my intestines taken out, diverticulitis, because yeah. I, I was what well, kind of runs in my family, but uh, I wasn't drinking enough water, getting enough fiber. But then I changed my whole diet and everything. I never felt better. So yeah. it happened. So let's look at the, uh, the third and final subject uh, in Matthew chapter 15, verses 32 through 39. Yeshua feeds the multitude. Ooh. So then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude. Wow. Because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. Yeshua wanted to feed the people spiritually and physically because they were with him for three days. Yeah. Three is divine of the Lord. That's good stuff. And that's a long time, you know. Um, Esther fasted for three days. Mm -hmm. No food, no drink. So he wanted to feed the people spiritually and physically because they were with him three days. Imagine that. So what did the disciples ask Yeshua in regards to feeding the people? When should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? So we don't know. Which is confusing to me, right? Because it's like, didn't they feed Yeah, 5, well, Yeshua 000? had already fed more than 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Yeah. Here in a similar situation, the disciples were again perplexed. How easily we throw up our hands in despair when faced with difficult situations. That's right. You know, I was praying for somebody, and I said, I want to remind you that God healed you when you were a little boy. You remember that when he healed you? Yeah. Because he reminded me. Yeah. I said, he can do it again. That's right. Because they got sick again. Huh. Something else. Yeah. So I prayed for them. I said, think about that. He's already healed you before. So your faith should really grow and know that he can do it again. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, when you think about the storyline, it's, it's pretty interesting. So this leads me to believe that in between the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000, they had been tasked with feeding people by other means in between. I'm sure. What was Yeshua's response to the disciples' question? How much you got? How many loaves do you have? What was the disciples' response to Yeshua? And they told them what they had. They got seven loaves and a few little fish. That's all he needs. That's all he needs. It's like when we just do a little bit, yeah. he does the rest. You take one step, he opens the door. So in the feeding of the 5,000, you have five loaves and two fish. It tells the number of the fish. But the number together is what? It's seven. Yeah. And in here, we have seven fish and a few little, or I'm sorry, seven loaves and a few loaves. So the number seven again yeah. pops up in both cases. Yeah, seven is, is completion. Yeah. You know, there's seven days of unleavened bread. That's right. You know, there's the seven days for tabernacles, seven days in the week. Mm -hmm. There's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> I love it when you throw that extra one in there. You got you know? to, you know. Which one are you? We go. Grumpy. Um, <laughs> and he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fishes mm -hmm. and gave thanks and break them. And gave to his disciples, and the disciples to the multitude. That's right. Hospitality. So uh, you want to just share from there? So the Hebrew blessing for bread is pretty cool. So it's, Baruch atad onai loheinu melech haolam, hamotzi lachem min haoretz, lachem chaim b'yeshua. Amen. And this means in English, blessed are you, Lord our God, king of the universe, who blesses us with bread, the bread of life, in Yeshua. Wow. Amen. Now, a couple things here. Uh, the, obviously, the Jewish blessing doesn't include the last part where it says, you know, Yeshua. But these words, hamotzi lechemin haaretz, they don't actually mean blesses us with bread. It means who brings forth bread from the earth. Right. Because hamotzi uh, lechem, who brings forth bread, min haaretz, from the earth. And so what's cool about this is that God doesn't bring forth bread from the earth, right? 
Right. He brings forth wheat. Right. And in participation with man, right. right, we work together with God, and that's what produces the bread. Um, because God doesn't do the work, right? He provides the resources, and then man does the work. Like, think about all the things that God has us do in participation with him when it comes to ministry and things like that. If he really wanted it done right, right, he would just send an angel. But because we're his sons, he lets us participate. And I think that's pretty cool. And I think bread is a, is a picture of that. Um, also, the number seven can be symbolic for perfection or completion in God's provision for all the people. And obviously, we can see this in, uh, in these verses that we just read, 34 and 35, where he's providing for all these people and the fact that he has compassion on them. Amen. And uh, how many people ate, not counting women and children? Pastor Nick. Wow, 4,000. 4,000 people, not including the women and children. So if we had to guess, we were probably thinking, what, somewhere around 12,000 people possibly would have um, been there. I know. It's, and we don't really know. That's the uh, Amelie Arena. Uh, Emily Arena is 20,000. Oh, it's 20. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and then uh, Raymond James Stadium is 65,000. Yeah. So the feeding of the 4,000 is a separate event from the feeding of the 5,000. So you have the 4,000 and the 5,000. The 5,000 we read about previously in Matthew 14, uh, verses 13 through 21, and is also confirmed by Mark, the 4,000, in chapter 8, verses 19 and 20. So this was the beginning of Yeshua's expanded ministry to the Gentiles. I'm glad you got that little point in there. You know, that's, you should make that its own separate little point. Because that's, that's like the whole Canaanite. I highly thing. recommend that people get a uh, life application Bible. Yeah. Because I get a lot of this from it. Yeah, 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 yeah. How is it applicable to today? How can you apply that? Yeah. The life application Bible. Yeah. Very good. So discuss how God was has supernaturally provided for your needs. Well, I'll, I, one thing comes to mind. Um, he healed my three bulging discs. Oh, supernaturally. Yeah. That's right. Because I was in need of a good back, a strong back. Yeah. Because, you know, if you're in ministry, you got to stack chairs and set up and tear down. Yeah. You can't have bulging discs and, and, and set up chairs and tables and set up sound equipment, big old heavy speakers and everything. Yeah. So he healed my three bulging discs. Yeah. And that was supernatural. And I didn't even ask for it. I didn't realize it until I went and did an MRI and went back to my chiropractor and I told the story before, but he goes, this is a bona fide miracle. I don't know what to say. And he wasn't a believer. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting and I was really just blown away. So that's just the things I know. But what about all the things we don't know, Ryan, that he's doing for us? Yeah. How he's watching over us. He's protecting us. He's leading us to the promises. It's just so exciting. Yeah. Know? 21 people just got back from Israel for Shavuot. It was a great trip, great time. And, and now we bring that momentum here. Yeah. Because now those people scatter and yeah. talk about it. And it's pictures. like the good spies. See, we have Joshua and Caleb right that's here. That's right, the good spies. Behind us. And, and this is the Torah portion. Yeah. Right. Whose report will you believe? Man. Can't stress it enough. You know, if you think about a bad report, you know, those 10, it says the 10 spies were taken out by a plague. Yeah. COVID-18. <laughs> now, that's sad because there was a breach of promise. Well, yeah. Pastor Nick, what's the breach of promise? You cannot alter God's purpose. Right. Like Gamaliel was saying, you know, if this is of God, you can't stop it. Right. But if it isn't of God... Then it, it'll go away on its own. It'll go away on its own. It'll yeah. cancel out itself. Yeah. So when we say we believe in the reconciliation of the Jews and the Gentiles, that is the promise. That is the that is the, the promise. That is the purpose. Right. So Well, and like you'll know things by their fruit. So there's certain things that have been um, 
you know, movements within or or branches off of Christianity or false religions that we've even seen in modern days, um, Scientology being a, you know, a prime example of that, to where a lot of people, I think, were sucked in for a while, and then the fruit has now, you know, reared its ugly head, and people have realized, you know, the error of the way for the most part, right? So it's a, what they consider a, um, a niche, you know what I mean? Uh, movement you know you know um kind of goes but goes away on its own you know what i mean the thing about it is do you have anything supernatural that you can think of man i've had I, i've been trying see supernatural has got to be not like a blessing but yeah yeah it's got to be supernatural like it's got to defy nature i see what you mean i mean i've had things where like um i've had random checks in the mail after like i've decided to give something and then like got paid back it's like you know I mean, I, I wasn't. That's a form of supernatural. I wasn't expecting that. Supernatural giving. Well, especially if it's like an escrow check or something that like you weren't expecting. You know what I mean? Things that just like randomly pop up and it's the same amount. You know, those are things that have happened to me before in the past. And um, you know, providing for my needs, I would say that um, you know God has provided me opportunities that have arisen um, that have provided for my needs supernaturally. Um, meeting certain people, certain connections that just like it didn't come from me. I didn't work for it. It just happened. Um, and and that's, from in my opinion, there's no explanation for that, to me except for blessings of God, you know. Right. So here we're coming to the end of uh, the section, and it says, uh, "Where did Yeshua go once he sent the multitude away and took ship?" Magdala into the coasts of Magdala. That's right. So Magdala was an ancient Jewish city on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, three miles north of Tiberias. Uh, the city was known for processing fish, and it is believed to be the birthplace of Mary Magdalene. Magdalene being fish of processing plant Magdala. I don't know. There's something fishy about that. <laughs> uh, so, what two points can be learned from Matthew chapter 15, verses I'm 21 through 39? I got two. I got two real good, concise points. Number one: persistence pays off. Wow. Look, God sometimes wants us to be persistent, you know? And uh, I think that there's this is a, a key little example to where the principle's built in, where she says, you know, hey, look, man, I'll take whatever you got. Whatever you got, God, I'll take whatever it is. Let's, let's go. I want what you got. He's like, even if it's just the crumbs that fall from the master's table. So you know what? I think Jesus does in a situation like that when he realizes that her faith is better than the kids that are sitting at the table. Right. He reaches over, he grabs a T-bone and throws it down there, you know? <laughs> That's what you get. You don't just get crumbs at that point. My second one was uh, miracles follow faith. I think this is in both cases here um, with the feeding of the 4,000 and also with the Canaanite woman um, and the healing of her daughter. That uh, miracles Say that follow. again? Miracles follow faith. There can be miracles when you believe. My two are, Yeshua did not alienate people, and we shouldn't either. Wow. Yeah. He kind of alienated her, I think, as an object You know, if lesson. someone's not like us, we, we tend to alienate Oh, them. yeah. Absolutely. Now, like the public sector of life, you know, do we engage people out in public? Do we, yeah. like the barista or, you know, whatever, do yeah. we engage people or are we just like, eh, you know, let's give me my coffee? Yeah. So one guy, man, he, he made a swan. Huh. huh? And I just I took a picture of it. <laughs> I go, that's 
that's awesome, man. You, yeah. you did that for me, man. Yeah. That's above Thank and beyond. You, Thank you. Uh, number one, Yeshua did not alienate people, and we shouldn't either. Number two, we should continue to believe in the supernatural and personal miracles. Hallelujah. I agree. I think it's those three subject matters are very good. Yeah. No, and I, I got to say, if I were to to focus on anything in the story of the Canaanite woman, I know in Hebrew Roots, in the two houses, we focus a lot on that verse, you know, I have not come but for the lost sheep of the house of yeah. Israel. I would focus on the faith of that woman and how she's willing to take whatever God has. Because at the end of the day, the crumbs off the master's table when it's Jesus is better than a, you know, seven-course meal at the wrong table. That's true. That's true. You know what I'm saying? That's true. And um, very, very interesting, you know. So, yeah, how does that all tie in? I like that. That's good. Yeah. All right, why don't you pray us out? All right. Father, we just thank you for this first day of summer. We are expecting great things like Joshua and Caleb report, Father. Yes, it was God, a good report, you. Father. And uh, just so we know, Father, that all of us were out in the world. You brought us out and uh, to bring us in, like the ecclesia, the church, the called out ones, Father. And uh, once again, uh, Joshua and Caleb, they were actually in Egypt like us. They were in the world. But they were brought out. They went through the wilderness just like us. But they got to go into the promised land. And that's my prayer, Father, for Ryan and, and myself and this church and those listening and watching, Father. I believe that we are to go into the promised land. And uh, we just believe for this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. All right. Well, listen, I hope everybody that's listening is receiving a measure of faith, just like the Canaanite woman, to go after whatever Jesus can give you. Just go ask him for it. You know, go be like, Jesus, I want whatever I you I was got. reading, I think in James or somewhere, it said, when you want wisdom, just ask for it. That's right. It does. Ask for wisdom. That's right. Get, oh, I've been doing get, that. Get knowledge. Get wisdom, right? Yeah. Get those things. So uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can uh, comment on any of our other social media platforms, any of the posts or videos that we have there. We can respond to you there. But then also uh, you can email me at ryan at twopraise.net. We want to be there for you. We want to pray for you. Um, we love you. You guys are good enough. And uh, we'd like to hear from you. So shalom, bless you, and have a great week.